the Song of Mary, the Song of Zechariah, the Song of Simeon, in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, take us directly into the heart of the history and hope of Israel, of first century Judaism. Song of Mary with its echoes of the Song of Hannah in 1 Samuel, the Song of Zechariah with its blessing of the Lord in the Song of Simeon that, we'll, that we just heard Seth read and that we'll talk a bit more about in a moment. Uh, all of them have themes, have the structures, have the references, have the ethos of the Old Testament. This might be considered an odd thing for Luke to do, who seems to be the most Gentile of the evangelists. You can almost imagine his editor down at the publishing house saying, are you sure you want to begin in such a Jewish way? The Jews aren't that popular a bunch of people you know. The Gospel of Thomas is selling really well with a lot of sayings that uh, you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy. But Luke holds out, and I think that uh, there are a couple of reasons why that's important for us to notice. Um, first, Jesus is specifically and particularly a first century Jew. We can only meet him, just as we can only meet anyone in our lives if we are willing and able to enter somewhat into their faith and into their culture. This is a caution against Christian thinkers and the Christian faithful through the ages who have wanted to denaturalize Jesus, to make him a symbol or a metaphor or to make him an everyman, or to make him uh, someone like ourselves, maybe an older brother, or to make him the representative of the ideals of our culture, maybe an enlightenment philosopher, or a social revolutionary, or an advocate of tolerance. And second, Luke is telling us from the beginning of the gospel that the world of the Old Testament will be the world of the New Testament. This is uh, a reference, in a way, a forward reference to Article 7 of the 39 Articles. The Old Testament is not contrary to the New, for both in the Old and New Testament, everlasting life is offered to mankind by Christ. This is a serious caution to those throughout the ages who have seen the New Testament as a kind of corrective to the Old Testament, as if the Old Testament had a kind of a wrong-headed view of God that the Gospel of Jesus has superseded. In my experience, that's the operational theology of a lot of Christians. Simeon sings out this song when the baby Jesus is presented at the temple for what is called the redemption of the firstborn. And today in our liturgical cycle, it's specially connected with the feast of the presentation, which we call Candlemas, 40 days after Christmas. Luke tells us that Simeon was an old guy who was waiting with longing and expectation for the coming of the Messiah and for what Luke calls the consolation of Israel. Why did Israel need to be consoled? An image that the Jewish philosopher Martin Buber used uh, for this era was that it was a time of the eclipse of God. Not that God was absent, God is never absent, but the view of God and the connection that Israel had with God was obstructed. What was the obstruction? Well, I think the obstruction was the way in which kind of the cloud of unholiness and corruption of the great institutions of the faith of Israel hung between Israel and God. The kingship of Judea was held by an imposter appointed by Rome. The high priesthood was held by aristocrats also appointed by Rome. All were collaborators with the Roman Empire. 
all were suspected by the people of being not really Jewish. And as for prophecy, the line of prophets had come to an end. In fact, during the Maccabean revolt a couple of centuries earlier, a number of religious decisions had to be deferred until such time as a true prophet should emerge, which didn't happen. So prophecy was dead. Kingship and the high priesthood were corrupted and unholy. The institutions of the faith of Israel were not working. So the faith of Israel, the future of the faith of Israel, depended on God's sending a real king and a real high priest and a true prophet, which is to say a Messiah. Simeon received the promise that this would happen before he died. And when Luke talks of the consolation that Simeon expected, he uses the word that John uses for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Simeon was awaiting for the paracleting of Israel because king, high priest, and prophet, and Messiah would reopen Israel to the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That day in Jerusalem, Simeon was directed by the Spirit to go to the temple. And in that large crowd, in that large space, somehow he recognized this particular couple and their baby coming from Bethlehem. I know how that feels. When my wife and I adopted our first child, we went to Peel Memorial General Hospital and went into a room full of lots of babies, none of whom we'd ever seen before in our lives, and we immediately knew which baby was ours. And I think Simeon immediately knew which child was going to be the salvation of the people Israel. Simeon knew then that God's promise had been fulfilled and he was free to die with a peaceful and satisfied spirit. In the Song of Simeon, it's often used at funerals when we can feel free to depart in the peace and satisfaction of knowing that God has redeemed us. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. The fulfillment of the promise is that in this baby, Simeon has seen God's salvation. Jesus' parents are amazed. We should be amazed as well. This isn't um, the Messiah, the king, the priest, the prophet that anyone would imagine. It's a little baby, but it's the king and prophet and priest and Messiah that the Old Testament properly, properly read was actually foretelling. Simeon isn't talking about his own personal salvation or anyone's individual salvation. He isn't talking about a privatized religion. He's talking about a salvation played out before the face of all the nations. He's talking about a world historical moment. On this morning in the temple, the history of Israel begins in a new way to command the attention of all the nations. And whether you're Jewish or Christian or a person who claims no particular faith, this is a true historical moment, a true historical statement that at this moment, the history of Israel commands the future uh, history of the entire globe. To quote this morning's Nobel Prize winner in literature, the times they are a-changing. The salvation of Israel will depend on this boy stepping into the breach to plead for Israel under God's judgment. This too is an Old Testament theme. Abraham pleads for the righteous of Sodom. Moses pleads to God for a wayward Israel. You have sinned a great sin, but perhaps I could make atonement, he says. 
Samuel steps into the breach twice for Israel, as does Amos, as does Jeremiah. Jesus will step into the breach too when he picks up his cross. He will plead for Israel at a terrible cost, but definitively and once for all. And with this atonement, God comes out of eclipse. God shines. Israel, first of all, reflects the glory of God. This child is the glory of Israel. But the nations, too, will shine to the brightness of his shining. As Israel foretold, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. He shall startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which had not been told them, they shall see. So Simeon enters into this exclamation and song of praise and thanksgiving and excitement and peace and satisfaction and appreciation and of glory and uh, invites us to do the same. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to be the glory of your people Israel. Thanks be to God.